Hi, this is Dr. Luke at Heart to Heart, um, and I'm very happy and excited. Uh, we have today my very dear patient. I think we know each other for many years now. Um, one, how old is the baby? Three, so, so my God, four years. Yes, at least. At least. Um, and in so many of my patients, that's become my friends or acquaintance. Sometimes they will text me on my Facebook or say, hey, Dr. Luke, just update you on the little baby. And so I'm very excited to um, got Anne, who is my very favorite patient, came onto the show. And um, thank you for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very happy to be here. Um, I was very excited when you called and I said, oh, Dr. Look, if you want me to come, here I am anytime. <laughs> thank you so much. And sometimes I'm afraid to bother patients because now it's like a, I don't want to think it's an advertisement or it's a infomercial. It's like, it is a, just like I explained to you, this is a show that is so tough, the journey. I was talking to some of patients when I went through some of the failure part of their journey, even uh, either I failed them the first cycle or second, or they failed at other places. How do you find the strength and not to feel alone? And this right. is really, really a show to talk about that, that how each of you gone through. And there's never really a place where there was a doctor talking to a patient like this at level. And I feel so close to you guys because even though I'm the doctor in the room and you guys are the patient, so many times you would say, Dr. Lou, just wear more clothes. I remember yeah. you went on a parade, you would tell me do this and tell me where you're going or um, take care of yourself, eat more. Some patients bring me food because they thought I didn't eat lunch. It's just <laughs> it's just amazing, um, the processes and the, you know, um, so I always love to talk to my patients as a peers, as you know, and this always be my dream. Well, I think it's so important to have a space like this. I think you're right. It's a very hard journey, and um, it's important. And that's why I ca I came. And it's obviously not a huge imposition. It I think it was it's amazing and wonderful. And I would volunteer to come willingly because you have played such a huge role in all of this for me, um, and I'm sure all of your patients. And so I too feel very close to you. And I would do anything that would help you and your patients and anybody out there who is going through this because it is really hard and I think it's so important that you as a doctor in this field recognize the difficulty and recognize how valuable it will be for people to hear from other patients who have already gone through this. So um, I know your journey. I, I was telling, kidding with my patients that I do have some partial photographic memory. So some, some of you who come to my place, I sometimes like, I remember your kind of the picture of your uterus. I still remember, yes, this may be the talent of mine. <laughs> uh, you're like, stop, Dr. Lou, stop going through your memory, you know, whatever. <laughs> but I'm sure most patients love it. They're like, wow, you remember that. Um, and I also remember the first retrieval you had with me and uh, I think you and your hubby was like, oh, do I need to take this antibiotics because other center we do, you know. So I'm basically, before going to all these details, I would like to ask uh, you and to tell me a little bit about yourself, I mean, to tell the audience and me about yourself um how what how many years you guys struggle just your story basically talk talk it out well um we you know, i got married later in life um and so that's why i started this journey late because um i didn't have a husband and so i didn't really think about having kids until i was um in my 40s already um and so i was looking into having a child and um, just basically um, looking into all of the different options and you know there are sort of some standard options and um, you know I sort of went that route 
And I think that what ended up happening is, um, and I know I've talked to you a little bit about this, you know, when you go to a lot of places and people just, a lot of doctors really just look at your date of birth and you see automatically, they don't look at your test results, they don't look at your FSH levels, you know, and my FSH, FSH levels in my 40s was in the normal range, but on the high side of normal. Nobody even really got to that. They heard my age and you could see everything change. They were very judgmental about it and just kind of would sort of put me in a little slot and sort of say, oh, okay, well, we'll do this. But it was just kind of a prescribed kind of a, a program for me because of my age. Um, and so it was very discouraging. And, um, you know, obviously I can go into a lot more detail about a lot how, of things. How long were you, were you trying first? Because you say in your 40s, like 41, 40, because those years where I tell my patients so crucial, and yes, the audience is, some of the patients are struggling at 41, 42, 43, 44, like the age came on going. Right. But um, what would you thinking during the process and how, yeah, how long do you try, basically? At I your... think I tried at sort of large institutional providers for, maybe several years. So um, you did time in the course and then some IUI, which is intrauterine yes. insemination. We started with some IUIs and then went pretty quickly into IVF. Um, and How I many IUIs in your memory that you did? You know, like I want to say only like four okay. or something, five maybe. Um, I later sort of went to an immunology person who did a couple more IUIs, but sort of before you jump to IVF, especially at my age, they were saying, you know, you just sort of do a handful of IUIs. Um, and, and how then, old were you around that? 41, 42? No, 40... I was probably 44. Oh, wow. Okay. So was, they still let you to do it because sometimes... I was sometimes... 43. I was 43. 43. Got you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, because I hear patients tell us that they may have to jump into IVF or because it's 43. So you still, hey, um, do some IUI, like more non-invasive yeah. method. But I think you're right. 43, 44, like they stopped taking statistics at 44 yes. in these places. Yes. And so that's why they stopped treating you around 44. And so I felt this pressure. Um, and then I remember coming to you and feeling like, you know, there's no age limit for you. You know, you kind of look, you know, just looked at me as a person and looked at what was actually going on with me. And it was just, you know, it was you were treating me instead of my age. And so that was a huge, huge difference. It was, a, and, and I have to be honest, and I know, again, I know this is not like the I Love Dr. Look show, but it was a revelation for me after everything that I'd been through to come to, to somebody like you who actually cares about what's going on. You look at everything, you don't make any judgments and you're just open to all these possibilities and that was just a huge change for me um well thank you first of all um and and it is a big part of why I'm in the city and why I started so young and yes I I love the fact that we think outside the box and try to uh you know, looking at a patient from different angles. And sometimes it's all in, I, I really be, truly believe in women's wisdom. So if a woman feel like they want to go at it and try a different way, I really want to do everything I can to help them go through that journey. Um, but I do want to, because I know you went to two very separate, um, we cannot mention names, so well-known centers in yes. the city, yes. um, in my memory. And so um, tell me a little bit what happened, because at 43 is actually very critical in terms of success rate. Even I tell my patient, oh, you know, it's going to be 43, 44, let's go. Mm -hmm. Or um, what um, what kind of medication you had, because I like I know you, you told me you have lots of injections and there's certain protocol that was, because when you first came to me actually, you were very like, you were not argumentative at all. You were always a great patient then. But <laughs> most of my patients, are not none of them are, but they are more like, hey, I did this. Why are you not doing that? Or I did that. Why are you not doing this? And we oh, talk and back and forth like a little bit. Like um, as I get into details, but like the antibiotics, like certain 
uh, centers will make the male partner take antibiotics before they produce the sample right. for the IVF. And right. then there was a big thing, you're like, hey, Luke. And I remember it was Saturday. I still remember I was in the car and I had a call. <laughs> I was not on call that day. And then I explained to you and your hus husband about it. And so I want to, because this is very important, because mm -hmm. where this, where patients get confused, I see lots of patients yes. like, hey, those will not done that way and why are you doing this way or that was done this way and why are you doing this way yes um i, I love questions and i love the discussion mm -hmm. um i know certain doctors may be irritated some say hey why are you challenging me that's how we right. do it here um but i think that is where i thought this show and also my conversation like patient would get into a deeper level that no one else can do not mm -hmm. some interviewers not some journalists because they don't understand medicine or science as right. well as the patient as me actually right <laughs> um so let's get back to the IUI like you we did the three IUI how do you transition and what happened from the IUI to IVF did they give you more education like why are we doing IVF what if 43 have bad eggs anyway how can IVF help like what was the discussion I think the discussion was just an IUI isn't working and the, they just really looked at the statistics and they said this is your age and the statistics are that people of your age um, have more success with IVF than with IUI so that was pretty simple there wasn't a lot sort of going on in terms of the decision to move forward because mm -hmm. um, it was just kind of this is what it is and you know IUI is helpful but it's one egg versus if we do IVF we have all these chances okay um, and, and so the, quantity matters they quantity. Kind of, okay then buy more like I tell my patient buy more lottery tickets to win the lottery to try right. to make it simple for my patients which, but yeah which I think is the philosophy of sort of a lot of these large institutions you know they throw they high dose hormones they have these protocols, and like you were saying, you know, they have a certain they have a certain program, right? And this is the program they tell you what to do. You do the this this um, level of hormones. You do the antibiotics for the partner. You do the retrieval. You have the you know embryos on day five. You come back for the implant, you know, to for the transfer. And so that's the prog program, right? And so I do ask a lot of questions. I like to understand what's going on. And so I was asking questions along the way, and the explanations they gave me seemed to make sense, which is why when I came to, you, I thought, okay, so why? And I, I just want to understand what was different about your protocols and why that was. Um, and then once you explained it to us, it made sense to us, and we were perfectly happy to, to do that um, because it was sort of, it was an approach of sort of less intervention, you know, yes, sort of right, what's right. not necessary. And I think one other thing, I don't know if you remember, um, one of the large institutions, a lot of them are very pro-PGD and PGS. And so you were not uh, such a huge fan of it. You were not really promoting it because I think they really do push it. Um, and so you were not promoting it. And so, I, you know, again, I, I, I want to understand why. And sort of your philosophy made so much sense to us. And so after talking to you about it and having a conversation about it, it made a lot more sense to us. And it was just sort of, it was a, sort of a path of less resistance in a lot of ways, you know? Right, right, right. And sort of a lot more faith in um, nature and sort of a lot more faith in the body's ability and cells' abilities to kind of self-select that kind of thing. Um, so I, I don't know, it just sort of, that resonated a lot more with me and sort of understanding everything was But um, let's talk about the IVF too. Uh, thank you for alluding to PGTA because we, I, actually you, Bessie's um, lots of discussion I have with my patient with a similar profile that, um, history like yours. And I want to go into more depth because um, yes, we did, we did achieve this little child a little bit later in, in your journey with me, in yes. your own journey with me. Very late. Um, so, <laughs> um, because at 43, 44, you keep on going in, on and doing what you're doing, which is right. the standard protocol. Mm -hmm. Now you did high stimulation. Yes. And, um, and that means um, very high dose of medication yes. per day. Yes. Um, and I mean, some patient, again, some patient has no side effects or anything, but I'm just asking you, not that it's bad. I do have patients with 
conventional IVF. Mm -hmm. This place is, as I said to all my patients, we individualize or protocol. If you want it, we do have that. So I don't want to say, oh, it's a bad thing, but did right. you have any side effects or anything from the conventional IVF or really, most patients, actually some of my patients don't, they're like, we, yeah. I don't feel anything. You know, I tolerated it pretty well. Um, I know I have some friends that really have a terrible time with it and are really miserable and feel sick all the time. I tolerated it pretty well. Um, but it was just kind of the philosophy of thinking, you know, all these high dose hormones and sort of what is it doing to my body? And, and kind of when I came to, to you, thinking about a different approach and a philosophy of maybe there are other options. I think that's the thing. There are other options. I think when you first enter the IVF world, it's just everybody does this. And so you think, okay, this is what I have to do. And right, so you right. sign up for it. And I think until you get a little more sophisticated, until you sort of start looking into it more, you don't realize that there are more options than sort of what you see initially. And that is the key, I think. Um, and the, um, uh, what happened to the, so would they give you a plan? Okay, we stimulate you for yes. four, that's how I explained to my patient, for 14 days from the first day of your period to around retrieval time, which is when you ovulate, or day right. 13, day 14. Right. Then we fertilize the egg with the sperm, and then it grows from day zero to day three or day five. Yeah. Um, how, so um, talk to us, like what happened the first couple cycles, how many eggs you get, and how many embers, and what, how did you, everything got PGTA or nothing, or they transfer back in? I want to know what I think what the you first cycle, um, it was the high dose, and then I think in the retrieval, I think I had six eggs, uh -huh. um, and I think maybe four embryos, I think four of them fertilized, and maybe, I don't remember all exactly the numbers, maybe three of them made it to day five, because the center that I was at waited for till day five, and they would only, they would do the transfer on day five. Um, and so then I think in subsequent cycles, I would get about four. So that was a fresh transfer. That was a fresh transfer. You know what? It was always at the big centers. It was always a fresh transfer. Um, and you know, not to get too much into the details, but you know, I, it makes a lot more sense to me after talking to you as well, that you do a frozen transfer when the uterus is quiet, when you haven't had all these hormones in your body, when your body and your uterus basically are at rest instead of doing everything all in a row because your body is so hyped up with all these hormones for the for the retrieval that then you transfer all these you know precious embryos in and maybe that's not the proper environment for them right um, right and right. so that was that made a lot of sense to me but in the institutional setting um, at the two large institutions that I went to it was always a fresh transfer um, did you do testing on the embryos oh um, that right I forgot that question so what you know what was interesting is this is a little bit of a wrinkle um, before I got married I actually fro um, froze some eggs mm. and so the first cycle it didn't work uh -huh. um, and then the, then after that we were like oh maybe this is a good time to and how old were you sorry to uh, before like 30s when I did the egg, the egg yeah uh, that was probably 2012 okay so, so oh I was my. In my 40. Maybe I was 40 okay. or late 30s late or something. 30. Okay. Um, and so then we fertilized, we thawed those eggs and fertilized those, and we did PGD, PGS on those. Um, and I think that there weren't any that were normal, quote unquote normal. I see. Um, maybe there was one, but most of them, there was some abnormality, and I don't remember exactly what they were. Um, there was some abnormality. Um, which now makes me think, well, whatever, no, I won't think back about what could or could not have been because I'm in an amazing place thanks to you. I okay, to uh, so everything was abnormal, so, that, even yeah, from so the frozen eggs from the younger yes. self. Yes. That's right. Yes. Okay, and then you did a couple of fresh transfer at the two big institutions. Yes. And then you, then how many, total how many cycles before you find me? There might have been five. Five IVF cycles. I and think. then. 
Now, when you found me, you were around 45, 44, 44, 45, 45. 45, okay. Because you delivered 47. Seven. I delivered at 47 and I and yeah so we started at 45 and uh, you know so it's funny because we started 45 we started sort of collecting a couple of yes, eggs and yes. embryos here and there yes and froze them and then I believe we did the very first transfer I ever did with you was at 46 yes <laughs> and you were like okay well let's put two in I did because that's typically and I was just like I only have three just in case it's a bad environment. I don't want to waste two. I only want to do one at a time. And I know you're probably thinking, oh, the odds of that working, you know, it's just, you know, then you'll have to just go through it over and over again. I was like, but we were insistent. We're like, just one because just in case it's a terrible month and I'm really stressed mm -hmm. out. I don't want anything to happen to the second embryo. So just one. So the very first frozen transfer I did worked and, and, you know, and I have a little baby little now. Yes. Um, so that was amazing. So the tra the egg was from when I was 45. The embryo was from when I was 45. Yes, yes. The transfer was when I was 46, and I delivered at 47. Um, and we didn't test the embryo. We did not test the embryo. And But there's some ones that was not good, so let's review that too. And my memory yes. again, uh, that were some ones we did some mild stimulation, right? Yes. We asked what that blastocyst um, Quite honestly, um, and you are one of my older patients, the very tough case. Once you come from any institution IVF, how can they be all so wrong, right? Mm -hmm. They have to do something right. Then I have to really think outside the box, think about things that whatever they haven't tried, I have to try. Right. Because that's why you're here. If I do the same right. thing, why don't you just go back, right? That's true. Um, so I try to do, I, I kind of talk to you about quality versus quantity. At your age, we don't cannot really get all the eggs out and then have all good eggs. It's just impossible. Right. Mm -hmm. So there are some good ones and bad ones. I can't may have give you that analogy, which give I give majority of my patients. Right. Um, and we did a mild stimulation because I think at that point you may be sick of all these drugs. But uh, <laughs> I don't remember. But I just say, hey, this is a new um, approach and let's go for it. Yeah. And then I told you also may not able not to test the embryo. Not that I know every parents come to me for a healthy child. Right. That is very, that's a fact. Right. Um, and however, um, there are things I cannot control obviously, of but, course. um, I want you to want everyone to understand that every time we want to do it is to not hurt your chances of getting pregnant. Right. So if you only have one, I was explained that with the biopsy is human. They're always a percentage. You cannot say zero, cannot right. hurt the embryo with the biopsy. So I was, but then I also give you another side of thinking about is when patient would get 15 eggs. Yes, I do certainly push my patient for PGTA, but when there's only one, when there's wide risk. And so, and also there's error rate. Right. Right. Of the PGTA and so forth. So we talk a little bit, PGTA to explain to the audience is pre-implantation genetic testing. Um, so uh, lo now lots of centers are doing IVF, as you explained, mm -hmm. that will say, hey, you need to do genetic testing. We don't want to transfer um, before you, you know, before you, uh, before the testing results. So right. you have to know if it is normal before the testing results. And, um, and really majority of the centers in the city uh, I think are doing that, maybe half and half, actually, I don't know if that's yeah, true. Hopefully that's changing. Um, new research, right, maybe? Yeah, maybe a new research, yes. My research will come, but it takes two to three months. <laughs> I still need time, this is a podcast, gone <laughs> first, but I will do that. Um, but then some cycles, we didn't get blastocysts. As right. you remember, I think it was very heartbroken. I talked to both you and your partner, 
I say, and I'm sorry, this didn't happen with some milestone because we did, I think, five to six mile stimulation cycles in my yes. memory, five to six. Yes. And so we bank about three embryos, like you said. Yes. How did you go through all that? The banking at 45, me, and I'm like trying to move on, but I'm also kind of realistic. You know, the way I sound is very blunt. I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't make things like really flowery. <laughs> I would say, you know, and I'm sorry, you know, but the chance is low and da da da. I remember I, I do say things like that because yeah. I don't think any doctor promised a patient who's 44, 45 and say, yay, we're going to get you pregnant. <laughs> of course. How did you move on? How did you, what was, what's the calling in you? And was the donor egg at all in your mind? Like, what was that? Like, at, at the because you come to me as a third center, obviously the centers before me may have even mentioned the D word. Uh, how, like, what was the process in your mind? And how did you kind of like, just well, I, go through. I think that when I came to you, it was such a different approach. I thought, I want to try this out and see what works. And I appreciated the fact, obviously, like flowery language is not my style either. Mm -hmm. And I, I prefer honesty and just kind of, you know, and I have a science background also from, you know, I have an undergrad degree in science and, and I like science and I, and I appreciate understanding that. So just knowing sort of what you were thinking um, and I trusted you, which I think is hugely important because I know that you're realistic, but you're also supportive and you also are looking for possibilities and you're not dismissing me. I felt that uh, there were some doctors that were quite dismissive because of my age. Um, and I knew that if you really told me, look, this is just not possible, that I would know that that was true and that you weren't just doing it because of, oh, it's going to be bad for my statistics. Oh, it's going to look bad if I, you know, don't have success for this patient. You know, there were no other factors I felt, you know, in my trust of you, um, no other factors that other than you're really trying to help me um, and so I trusted that and I think you were um, realistic with me but also just kind of we were starting a, something new and I wanted to see it through and so we did a, a number of the mild simulations and we, we did get some embryos and I think what kept me going was just kind of a okay we've done the collection for a year I think we spent about a year trying to collect doing the five or six cycles um, we had the three embryos and quite honestly I was just gonna be like we'll do the transfers We'll put each one in, and then if it doesn't work, then I'll reevaluate and see what happens. And so I was nearing the end of my journey. Got you. Yes, I do have. Oh, now I'm getting a little bit emotional. I know. I'm sorry. No, 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 okay. Napkin. No, yes. No, no, I'm fine. I recovered. I. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it is. It's an emotional time because you know I was facing the end, and I can look back now and say you know it worked for me. Um, but if it hadn't, you know, I was I was really at sort of maybe five steps away from the end. Um, um, and you took some breaks. I also encourage you because it was so emotional and sometimes it was uh, hard and stressful and yeah. that was a tough year in yeah. my memory for you. So yes. I, <laughs> yes, <laughs> uh, so socially, you know, so yeah, I, there were was, other, other things going on other yes. than just this journey um, right, that right, were, right. you know, stressful. So I, um, do you, did you find help did you, in terms of like therapy, family, friends who gone through this? I asked this in my, um, mm -hmm kind of a conversation with my patient with um, a different podcast and because it's so tough. Yes, it and, is tough. Um, I just want to see how and to shed light into how you went through it. And For me personally, um, I'm one of those people that like I get with the program. So if I'm somewhere and you're like, okay, these are your instructions, that helps me and I focus on, okay, I'm just going to do all these things. I'm going to go through all these steps. This is what I'm going to do and I focus. Um, so that is sort of my personality. But that being said, um, overall, it is a tough process. Um, 
for me, what was helpful is I went to acupuncture also. Um, so I had an acupuncturist who would tell me stories about other people and success stories, but also failures and just kind of like being in a world where I could hear about other people and other people's journeys. You know, other people had some really wild successes and then other people had terrible failures. And so you just realize you're in it with all these other people. And there's so many other people experiencing it. And that's helpful to know that I'm not the only one going through it. Um, I didn't have, I had some personal friends going through it at the same time, but that's always tricky because if you're successful, if your friend is successful, it's a hard dynamic then because you want to be happy for each other. Absolutely. But then you feel guilty if you're doing well and somebody else. So that I think is actually more stressful. For me, it was a little bit more stressful. Um, and, uh, you know, for me, quote unquote therapy was I did go to acupuncture. I found it very relaxing for myself. Um, and so I would do that. And then I would really just, like I said, I think the best thing, honestly, is just having somebody, again, like you, Dr. Luck, somebody having a doctor that you trust and having a doctor that you believe in but because you also feel that they believe in you. And so that, to me, was so important because I, I didn't feel awkward coming to the office, like, oh, what are they going to think of me? I'm back again, and, you know, oh, I'm getting so old, and, you know, they're looking at me like, you know, what are you doing here? <laughs> um, you know, I would come, and it was, you know, your staff was always so wonderful and always so welcoming. Um, and it was just, you know, because it wasn't a large institutional provider, it wasn't, it didn't seem like a machine. It was just kind of like you come and you see all the same people and it's a, it's a, it's a more friendly, welcoming environment, um, which, you know, spending so much time with the monitoring every morning and everything, you know, it's nice to have a place that you feel comfortable. Um, and so that was part of um, a lot of those things are what sort of helped me continue because I really did feel like I was going somewhere and I wasn't just spinning my wheels. Got you, got you. Um, you know, there will be providers that may be listening in the future. I may actually interview doctors too. I want you to, yeah, I want that perspective and things like that. But yeah. what do you mean when you say the doctors were dismissive? Like for me, because I know maybe I was perfect to you, which is great, but I cannot be acting you know, there will be weak moments of mine and sometimes mm -hmm. a bad, you know, wherever it is, I now want to be a better doctor mm -hmm. because I'm also growing as an individual, as a doctor. Mm -hmm. um, when, But as you encounter other doctors that are dismissive, what does that mean? Like, what did they say that make you feel like, ooh, that you don't care or you didn't give that, yeah. Well, I think advice. what it was, because I usually am so involved in sort of the details and I like to understand what's going on and I ask a lot of questions, um, you know, I knew all about the FSH levels, what that means, what the ranges were. And I know there are people who are in their 20s who have very, very high FSH levels and people who are, you know, I was in my 40s and mine was relatively low. Like I said, high end of normal, but still within normal range. There were doctors who I would go to and I could see that when I first would go to them, they would ask me how old I was or they would see, ask me for my date of birth as kind of like the initial interview. <laughs> and you could see they wouldn't even look at my test results. I also had my AMA levels, I had all these levels and they didn't look at my test results and they just heard my age or my date of birth and then they started talking to me about things and I thought, you don't have any idea. And it, it was discouraging because part of me also thought that maybe they're right. Right, right, You know, right. part of me was afraid that like, you know, it's too late for me. It's, you know, all that kind of stuff. And and so it's all of these like insecurities and, and maybe, you know, patients are a little extra sensitive to it as well, but it doesn't help that the doctor is sort of disregarding the individual sort of. So, but anyway, so I think that is what I mean by dismissive. You feel like, why am I even bothering? Like somebody isn't actually, they're just sort of 
running out the appointment, right? Because, oh, I have an appointment, they'll sit and talk to me, but they really, in their mind, have already made up their, made a decision about, like, they can't help me or I'm too old. Um, and then they do, they start talking about donor eggs um, from the, from the get-go. And, you know, I, I did think about it. I thought, you know, after I finished with you, if none of the embryos worked, what was going to happen next? Would I go a donor egg route? Would we, we thought about maybe doing, going the adoption route. Um, so we thought about all different things, but I didn't want the beginning of the conversation to be about donor eggs and to not even consider the possibility. I just wanted a doctor to, to consider the possibilities. And if they really had an honest conversation with me and said, look, this is the reality, and I felt like they actually looked at me as a person instead of just my age, that would have been fair. And I would have had to take that, and I would have had to really think about that. Right, right, um, right. But it was just the approach. I didn't feel like they were really, they were just kind of like, oh, oh, you're this age. Oh, well, you know, you got to do this, and you got to do this, and here you have to do donor eggs. You know, it's just, you know, it just wasn't a conversation. Okay. Um, it, it is, no, yes, I'm sorry, Anne, that got you so emotional, even talking about the past, and it is hard. The journey is so tough. Was it in the voice, though, for you to even come and see me? How did you even know about me? How did you even find me? Oh, gosh. You know, you were recommended by another doctor. It was, I think it was another doctor I was seeing. Oh, okay. Am I allowed to say the name? Uh, no. no. <laughs> okay, it was a doctor that um, focused on um, immunological issues relating to reproduct reproductive Health. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. I remember now. Okay. And so that yes. doctor, um, I was talking to that doctor because we were exploring some of my immunological, potential immunological issues. Um, you know, there are different theories, of course, and some doctors think that your immunological profile has something to do with your ability to get pregnant. Yes, yes. Um, and so and this, did you do that for the transfer? I when did. I put that, you did do immunological. I did um, all the testing and I did a number of things related to it. Do you believe in that? Um, Do you think that, it, well, we have a baby, I understand. We have a baby, and, you know, I did a million things, Dr. Luck, and I have to say, I don't know if any of them helped. It's possible that I could have done none of them and just come to you, and that would have helped. But the fact that I did everything, I have to kind of believe that maybe <laughs> everything together worked at least a little bit. And it's, just, yes, it's, it's one of those things, if one thing, if I do five things and each thing works 1%, that's like 1% closer. So I think I was just kind of like, you know what, I'm just gonna try it all, and maybe the weird combination of everything just happened to work for me. Right, right, right. Who knows? Um, but I did opt to, to, to follow that route. Okay. So I did go with that doctor um, who then was sort of dealing with, you know, sort of looking at some of those issues and had recommended that I reach out to you. And now, did we do um, baby aspirin? Yes. Did we do Lovenox? Uh, yes. And do we do IVIG or intralipid? I don't intralipid. think we did IVIG. We so did, we did intralipid. Yes. And um, how that is also another, so I have patients uh, who we talk to uh, and say, no, that is not something for me. I don't want, if I didn't open that to you or you would not somehow inform about this. Yeah. Um, you will feel sad, right? You yes. want to know everything available, yes. even though the science is not precise. Because now when you even ask your doctor, do you believe? I'm like, oh, for some patients, maybe not for right. some. Um, but you do believe that help, helped because also insurance does not cover majority of that. That's correct. So yes, and I was very lucky that way that I had some resources available to me and I was able to follow that um, protocol. Um, but again, if it had to be up in IVIG, that might have been a different story because IVIG is much more expensive and it's riskier in a lot of ways. Um, the intralipids, I thought, was a little bit more benign. Okay. Um, but 
the point I think that you were try- you were just asking about is that what's important is to know that you have the option. I want to be the one to make that decision. Okay. You know, so if a doctor doesn't believe in it, but they say, you know what, some people do this, some it works for some people, it doesn't work for other people, I would look into it. I might go see a doctor about it, and then I would make a decision. Like, am I willing to do all the time and energy, the money, whatever it takes? Is this something that I want that I'm willing to do? And that, I think, is helpful for me to be the one feeling like I'm in control and sort of in charge of, of all of the things that I want to do. Um, so I did look into that, and a lot of people wouldn't have, but I did. And hopefully that Again, was, I mean, who so. knows? Who knows if it worked? But I did it. <laughs> I know. We were uh, successful with our first transfer, so yes. it was really amazing. amazing. Again, I try to say two. I even say maybe three. Uh, <laughs> and, and then you're like, no, Dr. Luke, just one. Just one. <laughs> at the age of 46 at that point. Yeah. So it yeah. was uh, quite a story. Yeah. Um, so, and we're going to, we're at the end kind of the podcast now, but like, Tell me a little bit about what you do, how how this, you met your husband a little bit later in yes, life? Yes, we met late in life. Um, I am, I work in the legal field. Uh-huh, I work okay. in, the, in the nonprofit world. Got you. Um, and I work, um, I work in, in the nonprofit world. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, so um, how do you maintain your work and fertility treatment? Do you have to, nonprofit, I guess, requires certain hours to be at work? Yeah. And, um, you know, I have to say that um, the way that the programs are structured is actually was helpful for me because monitoring is at the crack of dawn, <laughs> right? <laughs> so that's helpful in terms of, you know, you just lose sleep, basically, which probably is not great because you're trying to be healthy at the same time. But, you know, getting up early to do the monitoring is helpful because it's before work. Okay. Um, what was sort of hard for me was sort of fitting in all of the other stuff, too. Like if I, I did acupuncture and then doing this, the intralipids, and that is more sort of middle of the day. Kind right, of stuff. right, right, right. Um, so that was sort of doing everything at once was challenging, but you know, doable. You know, I, obviously I have work full time, um, but you just have to be creative and you just kind of have to do what needs to be done. That's the thing. I'm like I said, I'm one of those people. I do the, I, I'm with the program. If it's like, if I have to do these five things, I find a way to stick all five things wow. into a little space of time and you know, just make it work. Well, um, and it's been amazing. Um, it was a uh, the journey you and I walked together because it was a year. You stick with me with a year, um, and somehow we, we should not maybe even do banking because we got the little guy, <laughs> you know, from the very first couple. I think it's the earlier retrievals. I don't yeah, remember. It was the first I, one. It was the oh first wow! One. Yeah. Um, and let's do the youngest egg. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, and so. I truly, you know, thankful and grateful for you to come in. I know now you're busy, you have a job, you have a baby, and so of forth. Course. Do you have any question for me that you have never really asked me or you want to know about me? Uh, again, I want this to be a very kind of peer-to-peer interview. And- I mean, I have lots of questions I would ask you, but I know we're towards the end. So one thing that I will ask you that I think might be also be helpful for other people to hear about you, and it was certainly helpful for me, I remember in our first meeting, um, it really resonated with me hearing about your own sort of um, your reasons for sort of what motivates you and what caused you to um, devote your career to women's reproductive health. And I thought it was very inspiring what you told me. And I thought that is the kind of doctor that I want to be with. <laughs> how did you lead? Uh, did you interview me before you chose me <laughs> at, at the first? I don't remember. I don't even know how that conversation came up. But yes, uh, and I did. Uh, I. I think we had that conversation. I still remember which room we had that conversation with. Yeah, again, I have this kind of weird that if certain 
things memory I have I remember the situation I'm in to remember that conversation which like many people but that um, I told you that it was because of um, my mom because I'm Chinese background and I came here from Hong Kong but um, my mom was given away as a child because she was a girl um, but she did at the end went back to her original family but there's a long story um and during this uh path i learned a lot about gender during my whole uh kind of since when a little girl understanding oh man is that's the role and women's this role especially my education is also very um it's a composite of both america and hong kong because i was traveling back and forth so I have some high school years here and some high school there, but my passion is always with women's health. So even when I went through college and medical school, I always want to dedicate my career in women's health. But the most important part of women's health is empowerment. And, um, and you wrapped the story pretty well. Yes, because of that and this, that's why this interview and podcast uh, I'm trying to do is because I feel that all the, vo- all the things that you truly feel in your heart, it is as long that you felt that, that's long as a patient and so tough the journey. I want other people who are also feel, I know there are people out there, I know patients in my offices, patients in other offices also feeling that void, mm-hmm. that loneliness. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want them to be empowered and say, oh, you can think outside, but, oh, maybe I should talk like that to my doctor. Maybe I should get more support. Maybe my doctor should be more like my cheerleader at the same time educated, mm-hmm. you know, like, and when we talk about intralipid, it's like, it worked for me, but at the same time, I told you, hey, um, and I don't know if intralipid really helped, I don't have standard of care, it's not science, but at least I, we talk and right. have that conversation and not right. feel dismissed. Mm-hmm. Um, I do not want women who are seeking care, I think we're in the 21st century, mm-hmm. uh, with m- many internet resources, with m- lots of patients are reading, lots of uh, professional women, lots of non-professional housewives, wherever it is, they're reading on internet and, and getting information from friends, their face, you know, uh, Facebook or social mm-hmm. media. Uh, so um, then they get that into the connection and and I think that it is very important for them to feel empowered mm-hmm. and for them to feel they're not alone. Um, and that is, yeah, that is why I went to Women's Health. And I think that when we first were talking about it, you know, I think about when I go to my doctor and I think about, you know, this kind of thing. I guess I never really thought about um, reproductive health. I never thought about having a family as a gender issue. I never thought about it as sort of a way for women to empower themselves. And the way that you um, characterized it was really powerful because, you know, in in the world, I, I also work a lot with women's issues in my work. Um, and so that was really important to me, and it was just eye-opening and um, really inspiring. And so that was part of why I thought, this is amazing. You are amazing. Well, thank you, Anne. Um, <laughs> it's, again, a pleasure to have you here. And, um, and thank you for taking your time. Of course. Anything for you, Dr. Lowe. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Thank you, guys. <laughs>